This is the Android Police Podcast for July 13th, 2022. My name is Jules Wong. I'll be taking the place of Daniel, Ara, and Will this time around. Uh, We're going to do a little something different here. We're doing a little jam session with a couple of different people, uh, some of my favorite colleagues in the tech sphere, talking about this uh, new startup, or, well, it's a couple of years old now, but uh, it's awesome. It's out of sight, out of mind is what that's supposed to stand for. It's a new smartphone, the OV1. It was supposed to be this massive follow-up to the central phone. And then they switched tack and it has become sort of a, a Web3 development workhorse kind of thing. We'll get into that a little bit uh, in a moment. I do want to introduce our guests here. We have AP Zone Ryan Hager. Hello to you. Hello, Jules. I know I'm I'm your favorite. I'm your favorite person in Android Police, deep down inside. And and you, dear listener, you know you love me. Yes, indeed. Uh, I don't believe the hypnotism technology works. Uh, I'm pretty from, sure it does. That. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. But also we have, from Esper, technical editor Michelle Rahman does those awesome, awesome feature dives and has a great newsletter called android dessert bites and also is co-host of android bites which full disclosure i also edit their podcasts at esper as well hello to you michelle yeah thanks for inviting me jules no problem at all very glad to have you on so to get us started here the news peg that i was basing this around is the recent podcasts that you have released or at least one episode is up Another episode is due out next week as of recording about Awesome. You guys talked with Jason Keats, the CEO over there, as well as uh, Gary Anderson, who I believe is Chief Product Officer. And I feel like they're, they've been doing this across all of their media appearances, or at least Keats has been. But they've been very enlightening, detailing their experiences from Essential, back when that was dissolved and even before then, all the way through. I mean, go listen to those episodes if you haven't already, but I want to get a start on general impressions of the company so far, just having traveled two years, having to do a focus shift, so to speak. Michelle, I wanted to start with you. Where do you think they have come from and where do you think the trajectory is going? So I know a lot of people have expressed disappointment with their first product being heavily on board with the crypto nft train but there are benefits and cons to that considering you know this is a startup bringing a brand new product to market you need something that really stands out in order for you to actually make a splash and just because their first product is this crypto nft focused product in collaboration with a crypto company doesn't mean everything they do in the future will be that you know like who's to say whether or not they'd actually have a successful product launch if they didn't go this route, because it's very hard to actually bring a new product and make it stand out in the market. There are so many other unique niche products, but like how many units have they sold? How much of a fan base do they have? Like probably not very big. You can name a few, I think like FX Tech, their Pro One. It's obviously a very niche device, the physical keyboard device, but I don't know how many they've sold or how big they are. They certainly don't have as big of a partner in Solana. Then there's the other one, there's nothing. You just like, it's purely propelled by Pays like genius slash obnoxious marketing tactics. 
Yeah, I mean, talking about making something out of nothing, but I believe that pun has been made ad infinitum. <laughs> we'll never run out of puns for that one, Jules. There's there there are more than enough nothing puns to last us however many years. Uh, Pay is able to keep things running. Indeed, I think early on, before they made the turn to Solana, they had a couple things going for them as. Following on the essential lineage, they were priding themselves on hardware design. They were bringing back the zirconium ceramic finish, and uh, it was just more unique than anything. I mean, even then, it was going to be a little bit larger of a phone than the essential phone was. And as a small phone fan, I kind of grieve for that. But also, they had a kind of a sideline in privacy even though their name is meant to be this big focus on privacy. They talked about a cable where you were able to flip a switch on it and deactivate the data pins on that. But I wasn't really sure where else that was going to be going other than a stock plus, and by stock, well, it depends on whether you mean AOSP plus the Google Mobile Services suite on that. Uh, Ryan, same question to you. Just a status check on Awesome. Well, they've obviously come a long way. They finally have hardware to show off. Uh, They gave us, I think, accidentally a complete list of specs. I think the uh, page that had it was pulled, right? So they didn't want us to know that we now know everything about the phone. But uh, I I do think that it was an interesting shift for them to switch to crypto as a means of promoting the phone. I understand the technical platform that's provided by Solana and the developer tools that Solana has integrated into what the now Solana Saga will offer. But uh, when I spoke to Keats over the winter, uh, you know, he's a very charismatic guy, presents his perspective in a way that's that's really engaging. You know, he's pretty frank. He doesn't like mince words when he's talking. Uh, uh, he keeps his secrets, but he's able to explain things in a way that I always found, I found really engaging when I spoke to him. At the time he, he I spoke to him then, he said, that, you know, the company wasn't worried about money. It sounded like they were on an even keel. They knew where they were headed. They didn't foresee having any trouble. And he stressed how capital efficient they were. Um, those were the, uh, was the specific term they used and that they, did, they didn't need money because I had asked about things like carrier partnerships and uh, other investors and what sort of avenue they were going to do for retail. And, and he was like, no, 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 none of that's going to be a problem. And this is, I think it sounds to me like this is before... A lot of that decision regarding the Solana Saga was made because they changed the phone's name. So if it was going to be called the Saga before, I would have assumed that he would have called it the Saga when I spoke to him over the winter. And it seems to me like this was a focus shift, and I don't know what it was in response to, because I don't see really any market pressure that would have pushed them towards considering crypto as a base for the phone. This seems like a decision that happened after the phone had already started to be in development. I'm still not sure why this happened, and I don't understand the precise sequence of events that would have caused it. See, that's one of the things. Uh, You brought up the term capital efficient, and I feel like that's a very strong euphemism for something there. And you also, in one of the show note links that we have for you, is the original Winter interview. And you brought up the point that Nextbit, a similar startup that eventually was absorbed by none other than Razor, it also secured $20 million, but that was through crowdfunding. It was just a seed of $20 million for Awesome, and it wasn't looking for Series A or any other external funding. And then there was also the case where I believe we go back to the September 2020 announcement when the company was founded that we had reported that, or uh, other sites as well, that. The CEO was not going to be Jason Keats per se. He was going to be a founder. But I believe, 
And it could be there could be multiple Andrew Zalisons out there, but as far as we know, we're talking about a venture capitalist being in the reins here. So we haven't heard anything about Andrew Zalison since then, and we haven't really, um, you know, figured that the company has gotten additional funding from other sources. I'm wondering if money was more of a factor than we were led to believe in the first place, especially since when you're talking about Solana and their expectations. We go into this TechCrunch article that I also have here. Keats kind of doing this focus shift dance, saying that, well, we're trying to sell a $1,600 phone for $1,000. It's a very stark shift from when you're talking about a very a very much a sub $1,000 phone here. To either of you, do you think money played more into this than we had actually thought? So I think there are three things here. I think it's you can't just say it's only because they had issues with securing funding that led them to go this route. I think clearly that you know securing funding is obviously very important, especially for a startup. They didn't have any products to sell yet, so they weren't making anything. They need to make something in order to actually make revenue. And so when they're looking for funding, obviously like at the time when this was probably a couple of months ago, crypto was booming. It was, it was still booming, right? And obviously things have changed in recent months across the entire market. But there was a lot of money being thrown around among crypto companies, and obviously a lot of them were looking for new avenues to explore. And I think partnership with a new mobile phone company was probably something that Solana saw as a worthwhile investment and a partnership in. So I think that was like a match made in heaven for them. Number two is, uh, I don't know how into crypto Jason Keats himself is, but I'm pretty sure he is a decent follower of crypto and NFTs, judging by social media posts. So I'm sure like he didn't have any qualms going down that route or thinking of partnering with a crypto company to promote the product. And then number three is every phone needs a gimmick of some sort. Every new phone brand needs a gimmick. Razer's first phone was the first gaming phone. That was their gimmick. And of course, gimmicks don't have to be good or bad. Like it's just the it's just the what sets them apart. So Razer phone had it's the media had, hook. It's something yeah, that yeah, it's the media them. hook. Yes, right. Essential had you know Andy Rubin was the gimmick. Like it was the phone brand, the new phone brand by Andy Rubin. That was basically it. Like it, it didn't really have much else in terms of marketing. Nothing's gimmick is the back and Carl Pay. Yeah, Essential did have the little 360 cam. I remember that being heavily marketed uh, at, at the launch. Yeah. Dumb as it was, I know. But <laughs> and then so if you, if you look at you know um, among like crypto supporting devices, obviously there's a huge, a lot of people who are into crypto. Um, as good or bad as that is. I'm not going to get into that. But there's a lot of people who are interested in crypto and NFTs and all this stuff. And there are devices on the market that support this. Like Samsung has the blockchain key store that you can use to securely make transactions and store your keys in. But of course, Samsung markets to everyone. That's just one function of their phone. They're not like purely marketing to that. I'm guessing a lot of people don't even know that Samsung phones do this. But then comes along Awesome plus Solana, a major crypto company promoting this is the phone for you crypto bros come to us so like it's a three-tier thing they get funding from a crypto company they the founder themselves believes in the potential of crypto and solana brings the audience 
I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that it, it's, it's exactly what you're describing and it is the hook. Crypto is now the hook for this phone. Uh, the issue is, uh, as I see it, and this isn't just as someone who's, you know, I used to be a pretty uh, decent supporter of crypto. Crypto bought my house. I, uh, Ethereum purchased the home that I am streaming to you from right now. But I am critical of the path that Web3's kind of taken since it was just, uh, you know, a series of interesting sounding white paper tools. Regardless of any of that, the issue I have is that this isn't a novel approach. Consider the HTC blockchain phones, neither of which succeeded. No one cares about them. This is targeting an even less popular cryptocurrency that, yes, it's a new SDK. It's interesting. They're going to have dApps on uh, the Solana blockchain that you'll be able to run from your phone, but they don't exist yet. Uh, they're creating the developer tools for this now. So it is a niche project with niche applications and very few interested developers so far that I can tell. So... I understand that it is a hook, but it seems like it's both poor timing given the uh, you know downswing in the crypto market, but also consumers aren't really interested. Who is Solana and who is OV uh, Awesome targeting with this phone? Because there aren't going to be very many people who want one. And Awesome is capital efficient. I'm sure they're going to make this in small numbers. They weren't able to meet their original uh, price expectations. You know, they told us it was going to be well under $1,000. Turns out it's exactly $1,000, right? So like already they've had to push the promises out and change some of their claims to try to fit this obviously shifting narrative. And I'm not sure if prices continue to fall, if there isn't enough developer interested in the uh, Solana dev tools. No one's realistically going to care. I'm not sure that there's going to be an interest in a uh, blockchain-specific smartphone for a more niche cryptocurrency to begin with, um, if even the more successful, bigger attempts haven't worked. The HTC example, I actually didn't think of that just now. But yeah, I mean, who remembers HTC? That's I think that's another problem, like, inherent with HTC as a brand. Like, sure, they had they did have the Exodus and the Exodus 1S, but at that point, they were already a pretty much dead phone brand. And they didn't have a partnership with a major crypto company. I think it was just them on their own, like trying to promote and sell their phone. And yeah, I think that might have helped. Like, sure, they were an established phone brand, but they were an established dying phone brand. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about a an established crypto company, what is what is uh, Solana's number nine in market cap right now? So this is pretty far down the list that they're partnering with. This is below True. some of the other altcoins that people criticize as being too out there. So, you know, I don't know. Well, I want to stay on this topic just for a little bit, if only to kind of project forward. I think even if you do take blockchain technology at the best of its intentions, the people behind it, you still have the fact that there is a transactional cost to every little thing you do on it. And therefore, all this speculation, the currency, that's necessitated by the model. And with the popularity of that, or with the rise and fall, downfall right now, especially, the money goes where the money goes. I'm making this a lot about money, but it's a business. At the end of the day, you make phones, and it's a business. And it sounds like Keats wants to make a sustainable business because he's been talking about keeping that gem phone, that super long remote-like thing that we talked about during Essential's Dying Days, alive. He wants to experiment with a whole bunch of other stuff. It sounds like he really wants Awesome to be able to work on that in some form, at least, you know, if not a an OEM in its own right, but an ODM at the very least. I'm wondering if this partnership is sustainable given current events going on. If Solana falls, then I guess so does Awesome in a sense. 
Well, it's hard to say whether the partnership was sustainable, but I don't think Sauna not succeeding would actually be the downfall of Awesome because they're the hardware provider. They're making the phone. They've already, like, as you mentioned, Ryan, it seems like they already had the OV1 well into development and pretty much they probably had, they had the design, they had everything done. And then Solana came along and partnered with them and they're bringing the Solana mobile stack and the marketing to the mix. So, like, I think they probably have enough money injected from Solana and the partnership and that a lot of the devices they're selling are like being, like, given to crypto people and, and so on. So, like, I don't think, like, their success is tied to the value of the Solana and cryptocurrency. So I think they'd be fine. And it can be decoupled easily enough if the project does fail. I'm not too worried about that because it, it is just software. But the value add isn't uh, hasn't been demonstrated yet because you're talking about uh, you know whole new dev kit, whole new uh, uh, d apps. You're giving people a hook with no killer app. So you're like you should be interested in this because it's something we're interested in. There's not really any motivating reason for a customer to be interested in the Solana saga as a Solana based phone unless they're already heavily into a crypto and b Solana. Obviously, Keats has said his business is capital efficient. They can get by making very few units. So I don't really, I still don't think this is going to be a problem. I think the business could carry on in the, the fashion that it wants to, uh, even at smaller scale, probably just fine. It just means that I'm not going to care about it. It means that everybody I talk to is not going to care about it. It means that everybody on our website is not going to care about it. And it'll just sort of exist in its own little niche uh, where no one cares. At some point, Awesome will have to have someone care about it. And I want to go back to its uh, backburner projects. Keats has mentioned the gem phone many times, as well as another project to improve under-display cameras to a point where they're actually going to be usable. Is there any one development or any dream device you want to see come out of, I guess, not just Awesome, but from what remained at the time of uh, Essential? So the gem phone, like from what we already knew, there there's no chance that thing was going to get GMS certification. The evidence showed that it wasn't even going to have GMS. It was going to have micro G because that, that device form factor was just not certifiable. So I think that would, thing would have been dead in the water. And I don't think even the current GMS approval, which, you know, supports for like foldable form factors, I don't think even that would allow that to be certified. I'm not sure if that thing would survive if it went to market. It was a, it was a very unique concept. But I think it was designed to be more like a companion device, wasn't it? It, it kind of sounded like more the palm, like you're saying, the palm approach to a phone. It's your second phone. It's your that supplemental phone. That, we've already seen that doesn't work. Palm tried and failed. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea of a phone in that form factor, though, because, uh, you know, one of my favorite phones is the uh, uh, the Z Fold 3. I love that phone. It's like, uh, it, it speaks to me deeply, deeply. And I love, in a weird way, even though it's kind of obnoxious sometimes using the tiny exterior display, it's super narrow, it's cramped, typing on it's awful, and it interferes with, and this is sort of a con and a plus, it interferes with media consumption. You can't just scroll TikTok because everything looks awful. It's not made to consume content on, mm-hmm. but you can do sort of work on it. You know, it's 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 just enough of a view to be able to use it as a phone, but not so much that you can use it as a distraction. And I kind of like that because it changes the way I use the phone when I'm using it, you know, closed up in a way that I find beneficial. So I'd love to see the gem type form factor return in a way that is GMS certifiable. That's interesting that you actually like that the Z Fold 3's outer display, considering like most reviewers say that's the worst part and the best improvement that the Oppo Find N offers over the Z Fold 3. It's definitely the one of the worst parts about the phone, and I, I resented it more up front, but it's one of those things sort of like 
God, I was just talking about this with somebody else. It's like when I use an iPhone. So sometimes I'll switch to an iPhone on the weekend because I find it kind of relaxing because I can do less with it. It's not as powerful. There's no intense system. Passing content between apps is awful. Uh, The notification system is uh, frustrating and drives me to apoplexy so many times. I kind of hate using it. And because of that, I use it differently. And because I use it differently, I find it less stressful because I'm using it less. And I use it in different ways that prevent me from being productive. And on the weekend, I don't want to be productive. So it's a great, great phone for the weekend. It's a great phone for vacation. It's awful if you want to be a productive member of, uh, you know, your work team or uh, the human race on a given day. But it's great when you want to sort of like detox from being able to do anything with your phone. And I feel the same way about the Z Fold 3 in that, uh, yeah, it's kind of awful using that exterior display, but it's also kind of great that it makes you use it differently. And you can't just sit there and scroll TikTok or Instagram or whatever, because it's kind of awful when you do that. So you're saying tape two of these gem phones together and add an external display and basically awesome has a hit with you. I mean, maybe for me personally, uh, I, I'm not the target audience. And I think uh, most of us uh, tech reviewers need to recognize that because we bounce between phones more often than most people do. So I get to be like, ah, well, here's my vacation phone and here's my weekend phone and here's my kayaking phone. And most people just have a phone. So like clearly I they're speaking to a very an even smaller audience, perhaps than uh, crypto might be. Uh, if they were to make a phone that targets Ryan, but I would still love it. Man, we're going back to the days of Virtu with this, except even more imaginative and crazy. I feel like we have more crazy phones to come. I don't think we've just gone through like a plateau of really boring, like refine the rectangle, see what you can do with the rectangle. I really do hope that there are more people such as Jason Keats and awesome types. Yeah, I, I actually really there, like really. every time I speak to Keats, I'm like, even if I don't necessarily like the product now, but like I would relish the opportunity to speak with him again. And he's just such an interesting dude because he has, I think, the right idea behind marketing and designing these products. Uh, even if, you know, they might not be targeting me, they might not personally appeal to me. I agree. He's one of these uh, these people who's sort of pioneering new ways of thinking about a fair subject that's become kind of boring and, and uh, plain uh, due to its refinement. So I do have some thoughts, like one of the things that stood out to me when I was talking to Jason on the podcast that I did with him is that a lot of people treat it as like, since they announced the partnership with Solana, it's, oh, the saga is a crypto phone, right? But that's reducing everything down to a single aspect of it, which is basically a value add. We already knew that the OV1 existed before the saga, or at least that's what we think happened. And that it was already going to be a flagship to your phone with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 Plus, and then all the other stuff that's mentioned in specifications. And then what's added on top is the Solana mobile stack and that stuff. All that stuff, you know, if you buy the phone, if it's once available, you know, through the general stores or whatever, it's optional. Like, you don't have to use the phone for crypto stuff. It's going to come with basically near stock Android with GMS. So if you just wanted a flagship to your phone with just like a very base software experience, then this might actually be a pretty decent phone. You know, if you don't mind the fact that when you're paying for this phone, you are supporting Solana and the crypto market indirectly, I guess. But that's like the only reservation I might have about it, like the marketing and the industry support it. But the phone itself... It's not a crypto phone. It's a phone that adds this crypto stuff you can use to, to make the cryptocurrency experience better in whatever ways the Solana mobile stack will be doing that. 
You might be right. We're going to have to, I feel like, wait and see uh, how how this software integration ends up manifesting before we can be sure. But I would expect you're correct. This is something that if you wanted to, you could ignore. I do think the value proposition of the phone is kind of dwindling since it's now $1,000. You compare the specs to, I don't know, the Galaxy S22. Your money's not going as far with the Solana Saga, formerly OV1. It's just not a good value anymore. A lot of the stuff that we know is going to be difficult for uh, um, Awesome to deliver on, things like camera processing. We can... I think reasonably expect them to not hit well to begin with, just because cameras are hard. That is just, that's the way it is. If they're lucky, if they're smart, they just license Qualcomm solution and it'll be okay. If they're going to do something custom, we'll see. But I don't think that this is going to be a great phone or a good a flagship tier phone that just happens to have crypto because it's already the value proposition that was presented, well, sub thousand dollars. We've missed that. This is now one of the more expensive phones you can get, and it's already kind of lacking in specs. On top of that, the unknown of crypto and how that's going to be integrated, uh, uh, whether the dApps are a centralized part of the experience or something you can effectively ignore. There's still a lot of unknowns. I have to even say, uh, we're not even sure if they're carrying over the OV1 design. Uh, Solana Mobile has been very kind of vague in terms of its visuals, and I like we haven't seen a clean look of its back. Very smooth I, I don't think that i think they're probably yeah, too far they did along engineering verification tests multiple engineering design. verification like, tests they're not gonna they're not gonna change the design now like there might be a new like rear cover like a plate that has like the solana logo or something or the saga other than that i think like the overall design of the placement of the modules everything else that's probably well, the, the one same. thing that would be a bummer is that if, if they take away the ceramic and just you know slap on something else but you know, and that I think would that affect, probably it would affect, affect a lot of things signal testing and whatnot i suppose though yeah yeah I think this will be a tough wrap-up question since we covered a whole lot of ground. But I want to ask if there's one thing missing that we should really know about Awesome, what is that? I'm pretty impressed by the team they have, like the actual the software engineering team that they've built up. Some people that are very talented are working at Awesome, P- people formerly from Calyx OS. And they may or may not actually care about the crypto aspect, but they're definitely, they care about the work they're doing and they're very talented at what they're doing. And like the embedded firmware stuff, you know, that's all still somewhat there, even though it's like layered below the crypto aspect. But what they're developing now, you know, we could see in a future smartphone from Awesome. And I'm excited to see what that actually looks like. I think we also can't ignore the lineage of Essential here. And this sort of builds on what you're saying. These guys are veterans now, all of them there. And they're not just veterans who started a smartphone company that was arguably successful from from scratch and probably would have had more products if Andy Rubin hadn't done an Andy Rubin. But I do think that these are some of the best experts you can have on these subjects making a phone together. And I think that there's a good chance that they're going to succeed even with these issues we're pointing out if the product overall is a good product. I remain a little suspicious. I think that uh, even if you ignore the crypto aspect entirely, it's a freshman effort. Uh, we're going to have to see what the software is like. We're going to have to see what sort of value proposition it ends up being once it actually lands. And I am I'm doubtful it's going to be a very good one. But that doesn't intrinsically mean it'll be a bad product. It'll just be an, mean it's an expensive product. So we'll have to see. But you're right. These are hot shots. These are you know captains of uh, uh, their respective categories, even outside of software. One of the things I love uh, chatting with with Keats, and even though like our readers don't care, nobody cares. 
cares, I care, and Keith cares is talking about materials because they like to pioneer like you were talking about. They're doing, uh, uh, I think there were discussions when I was speaking with them about uh, return of sintered titanium, uh, uh, the ceramic like you were talking about. Uh, we had discussions about other exotic materials. You know, the gem phone, uh, when they were going to release that, you want to know why it was called the gem? Because the buttons on the side were going to be gemstones. How cool is that? But like, so that's the sort of stuff that they like doing is they're artists. They're masters of their craft to such a degree that they like to experiment with interesting and novel new approaches. That's where you end up with change. And what's the best way to, to express that? When you have an interesting and novel approach, that's what you end up with disruption. Because they might find a way to really differentiate in a way nobody else has. And uh, I do think if there is a team that could do that, it's not Carl Pay and the uh, drip-fed marketing uh, that is nothing. It's the folks at Awesome. That was both a very cynical and a very genuine way. Because you threw in the buzzword of disruption there, and then you saved yourself. <laughs> that was That was pretty sweet. <laughs> I have to commend you for that one. And I think on that note, that will be it for this episode of the Android Police Podcast. If you have any feedback for us, you can send it to podcast at androidpolice.com. Michelle, take it away. Where can people find you and your work? You can follow me on Twitter at Michelle Rahman. That's M-I-S-H-A-L-R-A-H-M-A-N. And you can find my blog post at blog.esper.io, where you can also find the links to our podcast and the newsletter. Yep, Android Bytes. Uh, you can just search Android Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S, in your podcast directory. Again, full disclosure, I edit them, so I have an interest in promoting them as well. And Ryan, I know you like to uh, talk about your cabin on Twitter. Please tell them where they should find your cabin. Uh, you can get all of the best uh, cabin tweets at uh, at Ryan Hager. At, that's at R-Y-N-E-H-A-G-E-R, because I spell my name funny. Yes, yes, but we love you for it. And we love you both for taking the time to uh, chat with us here on the Android Police Podcast. And on that note, thank you very much for listening and stay tuned. There's more to come.